from LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. I didn't think we'd grow earnings 30% in Q4, and it looks like we could very easily do that. Probably more important than that is estimates are holding up. So the S&P 500 are up about 0.2% year to date. That doesn't sound like a lot, but typically during earnings season, estimates fall. It's a tough environment. And so for companies to grow close to 30% in that environment, which is about a seven percentage point upside surprise, really impressive. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals with Ryan and Jeff. Jeff, we were just talking. You said you have something called, um, I think it's ice or snow you're dealing with right now. We're not too sure what that is down here and in the Charlotte area. What's going on right now? Yeah, if anybody uh, wants to bring their ice skates over to my driveway, feel free. Um, it It's slippery, so be careful. <laughs> yeah, I remember being in Ohio one time walking out to my car. This was probably 20 years ago and just Next thing I know, I remember seeing my feet <laughs> smashed my head pretty hard against the concrete. Maybe that's what's wrong with me to this day. I, I don't know. Maybe that's when it all started 20 years ago. But be careful up there. It's been colder down here, but we we haven't had that problem. But Jeff, look, there's, as always, plenty of things to discuss. So we're just going to jump right into it. Uh, this week on the LPL Market Signals podcast, we're going to talk about giving out some medals. It is the Olympics. So we're going to take a kind of a global, a fun look, a global theme at uh, various places uh, for your investments and how the economies are doing and give out some medals. We're also going to take a look at earnings season. It has uh, been solid overall, but we've had companies like Facebook with some really big issues. And on the other side of things, companies like Amazon saying things are pretty good. What's the what's the true story? We're going to break that down. We're going to end it with um, some fun stuff, things you would never want to invest in, but people love talking about them. It's the year of the tiger, which historically is pretty good for stocks. And we'll talk about also the Super Bowl indicator. How goes the winner of the Super Bowl? How goes the stock market? Again, that's probably all you want to hear, but you know it's also totally random. So we'll get to that last. Um, Jeff, let's just dive in. You did an awesome job, I thought, putting together our latest weekly market commentary. And again, like it, like I suggested, it's uh, giving out some medals from a global point of view. I mean, this is you wrote it. I'll kind of chime in, but I'll just kind of sit back and give you the steering wheel and kind of who um, who deserves gold, silver, bronze. Maybe don't even deserve a medal. Um, you know what, what you find out there. Take it away, Jeff. Yeah. I, well, first, I think we jinxed uh, Michaela Schifrin because we mentioned her in the weekly market commentary, which you can find on LPL.com, and subsequently that first run, not what she had hoped for, uh, but uh, nonetheless, you know we. Uh, you know, work in the Olympics theme and give out medals by economic growth, by earnings, by valuations, um, by technical analysis. <clears throat> I'll, I won't, you know, get to the punchline right away. We'll just go event by event. But this is economic growth for those watching on YouTube. Uh, you know, emerging markets probably gets the gold in this category, but it's going to be close. Um, China with its zero COVID policy. Uh, has seen its economy slow down um, quite a bit to where it's really not growing that much faster uh, than the developed world. <clears throat> you, and you'll also see, you know, as Europe and Japan come out of COVID, they're earlier in their cycles, right? And so when you're earlier in your cycle, you're coming out of a recession or coming out of lockdowns. That's when you tend to see the fastest growth. Uh, U.S. further along in its recovery. So We'll call that a battle for silver, but the U.S. Um, could end up with the bronze uh, in this uh, category. We'll have to see. One last point on this. 
uh, and then I'll let you chime in, Ryan. Historically, emerging markets grow faster, <clears throat> but that gap is usually pretty wide. So, you, you know, our advice is not just to invest on um, economic growth, because for most of the last decade, EM's grown um, faster based on GDP and underperformed significantly. So you need more than that. Um, but nonetheless, we'll we'll give um, EM the gold here in a close race. Absolutely. You think about 2020, if you want to go back to, to that terrible year, um, you know, U.S. had one of its worst years of economic growth ever, right? I think down three and a half percent GDP. Um, Stocks gained 16%. So it's it's not, it's not um, you know, it's never as clear cut as, as maybe you'd like it to be, but clearly if the economy is strong and a tailwind, uh, normally that's that's a positive sign. I mean, Jeff, again on the YouTube channel, we're showing this, but I want to ask you the mo you you went back to September what GDP forecasts were for 2022 and then what they are recently. For the most part, we've seen lower um, lower numbers across the board. And we, we kind of understand why, right? The continued supply chain issues, the Delta variant did a real number on things late last year, um, still battling COVID. But Japan actually is the one part of the world that's seen higher economic growth expectations. Do you have any clue why? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to rack my head. I, I, I'm not too sure. Why, why do you think that was? Well, you know, um... Economists have had low expectations for Japan for decades. And mm -hmm. so, you know, one answer to that question is that expectations got too low. Yep. Uh, but, you know, another way to answer that is, you know, Japan is, is kind of an exporter to the world. And so they're going to benefit from stronger growth in the U.S. and Europe, which, you know, certainly we're, you know, we um, maybe not seeing Q1, um, but we think we're going to see in 2022. So you know, a, a little bit of a spillover from the rest of the world, maybe, and then expectations just getting too low. Yeah, no, good points there. Just kind of interesting. But again, back in September, Japan had by far the lowest expected growth relative to the rest of the world. So maybe just got a, a little too low. I know, Jeff. So the second uh, thing we want to look at is earnings. Uh, overall, we're going to break down U.S. earnings a little bit more specifically, you know, from a from a company and sector basis here in a few minutes. But just from a bigger picture view, how do you look at the, how are you going to give away some medals uh, based on how earnings are looking in 2022? Yeah, another close event here. Um, you know, the that's better for the ratings. Nobody wants a blowout. Keep these. That's close. right. Just like there a. You go. Uh, like a pure veteran there, keep these events close. Mm -hmm. That's right. This this event will get good ratings. You know, it's easy to just say, well, consensus estimates are for the U.S. to see faster earnings growth than uh, you know Europe, Japan, and 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 EM. But if you look at revisions to estimates recently, they've been stronger outside the U.S. So what this tells you is that momentum is starting to turn, and so while We'll still give the U.S. the gold here, uh, given the long-term track record of earnings superiority, and given the fact that we think U.S. earnings grow faster this year, slightly faster, but faster than EM uh, and developed international. Uh, you gotta, you know, give EM and EFA credit for this, you know, past uh, let's call it five six weeks where you've seen these estimates uh, revised higher at a faster clip than the U.S. And let's not forget, this is during a good U.S. earnings season. So right, th right. this is impressive. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be watching this to see if it continues. But uh, th that's why um, I say this is a uh, uh, a pretty close race. And I guess you got to give IFA, which is Developed International, the silver, uh, just because um, 
you know, they've sort of have a better track record of earnings growth than EM. EM's had a very difficult time over the past decade translating economic growth into earnings growth. Those are two very different things. Mm. Uh, well said there. And I think a better way the average listener can take a look at this is we know the U.S. earnings growth has been strong. Now the rest of the world potentially is starting to come along. And that's just another positive sign for the overall global economic recovery that we likely will continue to see in 2022. The third thing that we were going to discuss, Jeff, um, overall valuations. You know, you, you look uh, historically, EM's always been a little bit cheaper. U.S. usually is a little bit more expensive than other parts of the world. Uh, how do you see things playing out now and who gets the medals this way, Jeff? Yeah, th this is uh, what I think you were alluding to, Ryan, when you said maybe somebody doesn't get a medal. Yep. Because uh, this is the event where um, the U.S. will be hard-pressed to even get a bronze because uh, the U.S. market is certainly much more expensive than um, developed international or emerging markets. And you can see that in this chart. Uh, the premium to U.S. PEs is very wide. It's as wide as it's been in a number of years. In fact, um, if you look at the discounts for um, developed international and EM, uh, developed international is the biggest that we can see in any data that we have back about 40 years relative to the US. And EM uh, valuations are at the biggest discount we've seen since about 2001. Wow. So, you know, we'll call it at least 40 year lows and roughly 20 year lows. Uh, in terms of the valuations for EFA EM. So, you know, the US is the obvious laggard here. Um, but then if you look at developed versus EM, um, we give the slight edge to developed international because, well, that I just alluded to one reason why. You know, you got to go back about 40 years at least <laughs> to find developed international as cheap relative to the US. Whereas for EM, at least within the last two decades, you've seen valuations this cheap. And again, it's just, easier to predict earnings in Europe and Japan. Those economies have had a, have more success converting economic growth to earnings over the last couple of decades. So we'll give IFA, Developed International, the, um, uh, the silver here, but certainly, um, you know, EM markets are very, uh, very attractively valued. And actually we just upgraded our view of emerging market equities, which are off to a good start this year, uh, now at neutral. Uh, exactly. Uh, on this very podcast, right, the second half of last year, we discussed some of the issues we were seeing with the emerging markets, why we downgraded the emerging markets to underweight. And obviously, it was a very, very rough um, last three or four months to 2021 20, uh, for emerging markets that worked out well. Now we're seeing some potential signs things are trying to improve. So we went back up to neutral. Um, Jeff, you, know, you mentioned now this is the cheapest um, developed international has been in about 40 years, but you said We've seen emerging markets this cheap recently. Was that really a good buy, though? I mean, last time emerging markets was this cheap, did, did they really? It seems like for 10 years, they've underperformed the U.S., so there might be some little blips here and there. Um, but how did they do last time they got this cheap? Do you, do you recall? Oh, yeah. That, they actually did well um, in the 2000s coming out of the tech bubble. Yep. Uh, that was kind of the, the rise of China, if you will, uh, between, you know, call it, 2002 and 2008. In fact, actually, Chinese economy did pretty well during the financial crisis. So, um, yeah, that was actually, uh, as it turned out, a good time to invest. But this is just a very different environment. China's 
uh, roughly 40% of the emerging market index. And so as China goes, so goes EM. It's really, you know, there we could probably list quickly a dozen reasons why or more why this is a different environment for China than 2002. Uh, but certainly um, it, it's a much slower growth economy than it was back then. And relationships between China and the rest of the world, the world are certainly uh, fraying, which has made um, investing in China more treacherous. Uh, we also don't have the commodity boom that we had back then, uh, certainly. We have a, an oil boom, you could argue right now, but certainly not the powerful sort of voracious appetite that China had for commodities uh, during the decade uh, of the aughts, as I'll call them. Yes, the aughts. Absolutely. Well, good stuff there, Jeff. Uh, we'll move forward. So again, for more information on what we just talked about, check out our latest weekly market commentary on LPL.com. So Jeff, you and I had a playful bet about the Bengals Chiefs. You did send me some Jack Stack Barbecue on YouTube. I'm showing the picture. When it showed up on Sunday, which is the way it should have been, it was totally frozen. I was kind of half hoping to cook it on Sunday, but it came in dry ice. It was like, you know, I would break all my teeth. Let's just put it that way if I tried to eat it, which I almost wanted to do, by the way, but I, I, I was smart enough not to. Tell us about Jack Stack. I mean, you're a KC guy. Is this your favorite one then? Or, um, I mean, hopefully it's your favorite one. It's the one you sent me. Um, but tell me, tell me about Jack Stack. Yeah, it, it's absolutely one of the most popular uh, barbecue joints in Kansas City, but there are so many, it's really hard to pick one. Um, I also like a place called Joe's, mm -hmm. uh, and they ship nationwide too, so um, maybe we should provide the disclaimer, we are not receiving any sort of financial benefit from <laughs> for promoting Jack Stack or Joe's Barbecue KC, but yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Uh, you know, for those of you who haven't had uh, KC Barbecue and, and, and love... Uh, meat overload um those th those are two spots that i would definitely endorse all right that sounds good yeah i think tonight will be the night that i'm going to cook this so maybe i'll give a review next week i'm sure it looks i mean it looks awesome i mean what would you get me here spare ribs burnt ends uh barbecued chopped beef and then some uh baked beans and the jacks jack stack sauce so a little bit of a sampler that's kind of what i said i like so i'm, I'm excited I don't know if my family is as excited as I am. It seems like we cook a lot of barbecue and meat because I like it. But anyway, I'm excited, and, and it is what it is. And it, had I lost, or had the Bengals lost, maybe I should say, I was going to send you some Grater's ice cream, which is a famous ice cream from the Cincinnati area that uh, a lot of people like. Um, what, 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 what Grater's ice cream would you have wanted? Do you know which type you uh, like? We, we like it all. I, mean, I got to yeah. tell you, you know, <clears throat> the Dietrich household was very – Certainly excited about the big win and the uh, barbecue uh, that came in the mail. But the, uh, the Bookbinder household, quite the opposite story, mm -hmm. not getting that ice cream. Uh, boy, we like mint chip. We like chocolate. We like coffee. Um, sometimes kids like strawberry. I mean, whole, we, we got a lot of different preferences here, uh, I would say. So, yeah, I was I was really looking forward to, uh, to getting that. I guess now uh, if we want it, we'll have to go. Go pay for it. And by the way, I've actually been to the Graders or one of them in in, in Cincinnati. Okay. My brother used to work for Procter and Gamble, so I went up to oh. visit him and uh, enjoyed the enjoyed that. That was that's a good place. I'm definitely uh, a fan. It is. I believe Oprah Winfrey said it's her favorite uh, ice cream place, and that really helped. Kind of, I would. They were already on the map, but when she said that, it helped even more. But Jeff, we could talk ice cream and barbecue literally all day. So we are just going to move forward. <laughs> we will lose all our listeners. 
It, well, maybe some of them. Let me get a drink. I'm getting all choked up talking about it here. <laughs> all right. So, Jeff, last Friday, we're going to talk about jobs for a minute and then earnings a little more here, guys, in the next segment of this podcast. The earnings, I'm sorry, <laughs> the jobs number, Jeff, came in way better than expected. I know it's in front of me here somewhere. Yeah, here we go. 467,000 jobs created last month, expected to be like 125, depending on your source, 125, 145-ish. The previous uh, two months, though, were revised higher, like 709,000 jobs. Um, just amazing. It reminds me of, oh, what's the old saying? Um, why did God create weathermen? To make economists look good, right? I think it's a, that comes to mind when I when I hear numbers like this. Um, how, Jeff? Tell me a little bit about the jobs number. You've got time to think about it. How in the world were we so far off? First off, but what does it mean? It's just been a very difficult environment for economists and, and strategists, frankly, to uh, predict economic data. I mean, the, you know, the COVID disruptions certainly made it more difficult, and then we have these. Um, um, you know, restatements with the seasonal adjustments, right? So um, COVID has its own cycle. And when you apply historical seasonal adjustments to a COVID environment, you just get all out of whack. So it's it just been a big mess. It was really hard to understand why the job numbers were weak late last year, because other measures of the job market looked pretty good. So just like we got surprised in December, now we're surprised in January, uh, the other direction. And I think this probably is closer to where we really are. The job market certainly has improved um, quite a bit. It's um, it's pretty healthy right now. Yeah, we talked a month, it feels like yesterday, we talked a month ago about the poor quote unquote jobs number, yet the household survey was suggesting employment picture was pretty good, right? Remember, this is the government data we're talking about. The household survey, they just kind of call households and see how things are doing. Things look pretty good. My take then, as it was now, I said this a month ago, saying it now, millions of people are quitting their jobs. I don't think that's kind of working its way into some of the data, at least it didn't initially. Um, people are quitting and they're going not just quitting, not just laying around being lazy. They're quitting their job to go create something, work for a small business, start their own business. Um, some of that stuff wasn't showing up so much, but now the government's had a little time to kind of get out the big eraser, if you will, and fix some of those things. Jeff, also the participation rate went a little bit higher. Um, you know, I know we, you and I talked to our advisors just the other day about that. Why is that a good sign, you think, on the employment backdrop also? Well, it's a good sign for a couple of reasons. We want more people to be working, first of all, not just sitting on their couch. Uh, but, you know, related to that, we want less wage pressure. You, know, you want in, incomes to, to rise because that gives people money to spend, but you don't want those wages to rise too fast because then the Fed uh, has to slam on the brakes uh, to stop the inflation. So mm -hmm. uh, more people participating in labor force should balance out the supply and demand of labor and uh, ease some of those inflation pressures, which should hopefully allow the Fed to slow down its pace of rate hikes uh, later this year, and maybe give us something closer to four rather than the six or seven that some people are expecting. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it was just this morning, right? I've got to hear someone in front of me. The small business optimism number came in a little weaker than expected, but you see what are small businesses concerned about? Not surprisingly, it's inflation and how much you have to pay people, right? Those are two reasons that number came in a little bit weaker. And, and you know, I think here, I've got it here in front of me. Uh, the percentage of boosting compensation was the highest ever, right? So the small businesses are boosting compensation. 
hey, everybody likes to make more money, but if you're a business owner, you don't always want to have record boosting compensation. That's going to be tough and kind of hurt the bottom line. So that's the real world examples of clearly what's impacting things. But we are seeing some some better numbers, like you said, um, with the participation rate. So that's one part of the fundamental picture, Jeff. Let's look at earnings now. Um, earnings overall, if I'm correct, look like they're doing pretty good. But Jeff, as you know, and our listeners probably know, last week on Thursday, we had face, I still call it Facebook, I refuse to call it meta platforms. Sorry. We had Facebook came out with just really poor earnings overall. They lost, oh, what was it? Uh, 232 billion in one day. That's like more than most of the S&P 500, to be honest. But uh, then Amazon came out the next day and gained $131 billion with some pretty good numbers. Jeff, what's the story? I mean, should we, we, we be extremely worried about Facebook, why they reacted so poorly? Or what's your take on the whole earnings backdrop here? Yeah, it looks like Facebook-specific issues uh, going on there. So we wouldn't read too much into that. But even if you think Facebook's a big deal uh, and you look at the overall numbers, they're really good. I mean, frankly, you know, I didn't think we'd grow earnings 30% in Q4, and it looks like we could very easily do that. We're over 29% now, and we've still got a good chunk of companies left. So great earnings growth. And then, you know, probably more important than that is estimates are holding up. Uh, 2022 earnings estimates for the S&P 500 are up about 0.2% uh, year to date. That doesn't sound like a lot, but typically during earnings season, estimates fall. So, and, and we know it's a very tough environment. Supply chain disruptions, wage pressures, other cost pressures. Uh, it, it's a tough COVID, it's a tough environment. And so for companies to grow close to 30% in that environment, which is about a seven percentage point upside surprise, really impressive. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. You talk about giving out medals, maybe we should give out a gold medal uh, to corporate America and honestly, consumers who continue to, uh, to spend money and, and be confident. I said this before, you know, I don't think you'd see millions of people quitting their jobs the last couple of months if, if you weren't fairly um, comfortable and confident in the economy. You wouldn't probably go start your own business or work at a small business or even jump ship um, if, if you were a little leery of how things were, just another positive, uh, I think, out there. Um, Jeff, so, I mean, earnings, again, we want to move forward here. With earnings, it seems like tech. I mean, you've talked about this with our nearly 20,000 advisors. Um, it seems like tech's had a really solid earnings season, has it not? It has. Um, consumer discretionary, which has Amazon in it, has actually produced the biggest upside surprise in Q4, but tech is next. Yeah. Second biggest. Uh, but more impressive than that is tech estimates have risen more than any other sector during earnings season. That's really important because tech is a key to the market. It's almost 30% of the S&P. To get this market back to recent highs, we really need help from tech. And um, you know that positive fundamental factor, I think, bodes well for uh, the near-term outlook and, and, and tech's quest to get back to where it was. Yeah, absolutely. It is It is a quest, I guess. I mean, tech, we liked tech a lot last year. We did downgrade it to neutral. When did we do that, Jeff? It was second half of last year, right? When do we downgrade tech? I believe it was August. Yeah, so yeah, about around then. So fortunately, that kind of, you know, tech did well late last year. Like, oh, why do we do that? Tech never goes down. You know, you kind of get that feeling. And then this year happened, and we're, we're glad we did that. And now we're kind of talking, hmm, 
should we move tech back up? We're not officially there yet, but we're having some of those conversations in team meetings. But I think the way we've looked at tech, waiting for a pullback, waiting for some of these high flyers that are solid, solid companies, you can get them, you know, they're, they're, they're a lot lower than they were before. So that's, we'll, we'll talk more about that as we go forward. And Jeff, I think we did really well here. You guys just, you know, the last, maybe we'll call it five or six minutes. Um, we were recording like an hour and a half later. We had some some technical difficulties, but um, it was pretty seamless, right? We won't we won't give away all the sausage, but I think we did a seamless job, don't you think? <laughs> we are uh, resilient. Yeah. Neil, our producer, helps us. We can uh, ride through the bumps. There you go. And <laughs> much like the stock market, much like life in general, there's always some bumps. But we are going to move forward to the final thing we want to talk about today, and let's just have a full disclosure. We do not suggest investing in anything we are about to say, but it's fun to talk about. Um, it is the year of the tiger, Jeff, and as longtime listeners or even new listeners probably are aware, I do root for the Cincinnati Bengals, and I'm not some fair weather fan who just jumped on the bandwagon. I've been a long-suffering Cincinnati Bengal fan, and maybe another podcast we can talk about all the times they broke my heart, but we're enjoying this year, and it is the year of the Tiger, so not surprisingly, Tigers do well, but again, do not invest in this, but be aware, out of the 12 Zodiac signs, the Tiger is actually the third best one. Last couple of years with the Tiger, 2010, S&P up 20%, 98 up 30%, 86 up another 30%. So an average of about 14% on average um, for the year of the Tiger going back to World War II. Uh, so just kind of be aware of that. And again, totally random, but a year ago, we pointed out that the Ox was actually the second strongest and we had a really good year uh, for, for stocks, obviously last year. So the year of the Ox did come through. Um, Jeff, what's your, I hate to say what's your sign, but what, 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 what's your, what, what's your, what's your uh, sign or what Zodiac guy do you like the most? Oh boy. I, you know what? I, I tell you what, I don't like the rat. I think the rat is the worst performing stock market year, if I'm not mistaken. So I'll give you that, but I I don't know that I have, um, have a favorite. I'm rooting for the Bengals. So maybe I'll go with tiger. There you go. Yeah. I guess the thing about it. So I'm born in October, so I know this is different, but, um, I'm, I'm a Scorpio. What are you by chance? What, 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 which I'm Scorpio. What are you? Aries. Okay. All right. All right. Does but that mean only we by a like day? Are you allowed to like each other? Sometimes they say some of these really uh, don't do so well together, but I think we do all right together. I think we, you know, we do all right. So, yeah, maybe yeah. we're. Uh, <laughs> there we go. All right, breaking last, with tradition there. There you go. And the last thing we would highly advise never to invest in, but it's fun to talk about the Super Bowl indicator. This has been around for a very long time. A writer at Forbes discovered it. Discovered it in 1978. At that time, it had never been wrong. The simple way it was is if the original NFC teams win the Super Bowl, stocks do well for the year. And if the other, uh, you know, the other uh, someone who's not an original NFC team uh, were to win, then stocks don't do as well. We kind of made it a little easier with some of the breakdowns and just simply looked at the last 55 times he had a Super Bowl. Um, isn't that crazy? This is the 56th Super Bowl. It's just that's a lot of Super Bowls. But anyway, um, you, you when you have an NFC team win historically, stocks do a little bit better, about 11% on average versus an AFC win of 7% on average. Higher almost 80% of the time when the NFC wins. There have been 29 times um, we've had a NFC winner. The other 26 were an AFC winner, obviously, up about two-thirds of the time on the S&P 500 when that happens. So you might say to yourself, So should we root for the Rams? As a Bengal fan, I'd say absolutely not, and here's why. Ten of the last 11 times we had an AFC winner, guys. Take a guess what happened. The S&P 500 was higher. 
The um, like the only time <laughs> it was lower was in uh, 2015 uh, when New England won. Um, we had a little, we had a lower year that year. And if you might remember what happened, that was the year that they refused to give. Um, oh, what's his name? Marshawn Lynch the ball. And if they just would have handed him the ball, they probably would have won the Super Bowl. So maybe the Super Bowl indicator is kind of aware of, of a potential flaw there. Um, anyway, so Jeff, I just said a bunch of stuff. I think it's very clear America should just root for the Bengals because it's better for everybody, right? <laughs> well, as a as a Chiefs fan, I'm an AFC guy. So, yeah. uh, you know, happy to uh, root for the Bengals for that reason. And I like the the narrative, right? The longtime suffering Bengal fan. You know, just a couple of years ago before that 2020 Super Bowl, I was a longtime suffering Kansas yeah. City Chiefs fan because, yeah. you know, they had won a Super Bowl, but it was 50 years. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's a long drop. So I, I understand what uh, Bengals fans have gone through, no doubt. That is, yeah, we've never, we've lost twice to the 49ers in the 80s, but um, we'll see. Maybe by the time some people listen to this podcast, it'll, It'll be over and we'll know who the victor will be. But anyway, with all that, um, we're, we are going to wrap things up this week, guys. Hopefully you got a lot out of this. Um, we have hit a ton of listens and views the last couple of weeks um, on this very podcast and on our YouTube channel. So thank you. Obviously, market volatility helps. Uh, so maybe thank you, market gods, for a little volatility. Let's not make it go too much lower, though. But it's nice and, and it's good to know that when volatility happens, you know, a lot of people come to us and we will continue to do this very podcast as long as people keep coming to it. So with all that, everyone have a great Super Bowl weekend. Um, we'll see. Some of us are going to be happy. Some of us aren't. But hopefully it's a, a great game and everyone uh, stays safe. With all that, Jeff and I will be back next week. Uh, to uh, to wrap it all up and see what's going on out there in the world. Take care, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.